1: Welcome back. As we head to Hour 3, it's a delight to welcome back to the show Congressman John Shattuck. He represented Arizona's Congressional District 4, the old Congressional District 4, uh, the district uh, geographically where we broadcast from, where I live in now, and where I grew up, and where he did as well. He served in Congress many, many years. It's a delight to have him. He joins us on Wednesdays. He was on the road last week. Welcome back, John.
0: Glad to be back. Thank you. Been looking forward to
1: it. I've been looking so forward to it. I wanted to talk to you about I wanted to take some uh, transient things to talk about some deep things. Let me pick up on the transient part. Nikki Haley announced her candidacy for the presidency last week, and she said, on Biden and Harris's watch, a self-loathing has swept over our country in the classroom, the boardroom, backrooms of government. Every day we're told America is flawed, rotten and full of hate. Peggy Noonan wrote a column on that speech, and I want to like Peggy Noonan's columns. I used to like them a lot more, and um, I uh, I like about one out of every four these days. She said that she thought the speech sounded worn and wasn't about big things. She thought it was kind of shopped through the filter of communicating about communicating. And let me sandwich that point with the third element here, that Vivek Ramaswamy announced his candidacy for the presidency today. And his candidacy announcement was all about how the use of race is bringing us, uh, dividing us uh, from one another. It seems to me these are really big things. These aren't communicating about communicating. These are, in fact, the kinds of things that are not popular to talk about. On college campuses, or in boardrooms, or in uh, or in backrooms of government, seems to me they're going to something much deeper. And it's interesting they both do so from families of immigrants. I don't know if you were picking up on any of this.
0: I was picking up on all of it, um, and I feel very strongly that uh, Peggy Noonan's criticism was simply wrong. I thought so too. Um, If what you believe about yourself as a nation isn't important, then why have a nation? Yeah. What What's the point uh, of having, you know, a, a, a national image? Uh, I think Americans, uh, for a very, very, very long time, maybe uh, all of our nation's existence up until the last 10 or 15 years at most, we had, as a nation, Immense pride in ourselves, and that's what drove us to try to do better. We, at times, we realized and acknowledged, and I think privately inside, we acknowledged that we're not perfect. No person is perfect. No nation is perfect. And certainly, uh, race and racism, or that our handling of race, uh, w- was uh, a disgusting episode and a tragic episode in our country's history, but you can't view that without viewing the fact that we rose ultimately, went to war to rise above it, and we did rise above
1: it. Using our own mechanisms and our own founding documents to justify the whole thing.
0: Absolutely. So uh, was that one of the tragic errors the founders made? Sure. Uh, But uh, history evolves as it evolves. You can't look 30 years forward uh, when today and know what the world's going to believe at that point, some people are pressing it and can see it. Um, but I think uh, the self-loathing uh, point is is a an important factor. And I applaud Nikki Haley for having said, look, we can't remain there if we want to be a nation. But we think we can do so while many of us not only believe but are teaching our children that America is a bad country founded by bad people and does bad things, you are not going to have a surviving nation. And uh, I think it's a serious threat to our survival. And uh, it seems to me that it, it's as big an issue as as any. Uh, Each one of us has our own shortcomings, and each one of us, if we self-reflect at all, recognizes those and spends a part of our lives, maybe a lot of our lives, trying to improve upon those shortcomings. And I think as a nation, you have to do the same thing, and you can't live a productive life if you spend all of your time thinking, oh, I'm a terrible person. And you can't have a productive nation if you devote yourself to the belief that, We are a terrible nation, uh, flawed uh, so deeply that we should be hated by the world. I often wonder how much uh, psychological damage Barack Obama did to the nation with his world apology tour. It's okay to admit your mistakes. Indeed, one should admit one's mistakes. Uh, I have a uh, I am noted for having somewhat of a temper and my <laughs> wife has done a lot to help me uh, improve and and reduce my temper and
1: can I move in can yeah. she help me <laughs> can she work on mine <laughs> I, have, I have I may surpass your reputation <laughs>
0: but if, but if all if everything is negative you know she thought I wasn't trying to work on my temper and, and she'd left me a long time ago and thank God she did so <laughs> uh, but i I think that uh, and I, by the way, I happen to agree with you that I used to read everything Peggy Noonan wrote and love it all. Yeah. And now sometimes I no, wonder there was well, a turn there. I give the time to even reading this.
1: Yeah. So. Well, she it's interesting because she used to write big, beautiful speeches, too. I, I thought it was almost weirdly, you know, the evidently, you, you know, the column I'm talking about. It almost felt a little bit like maybe she didn't get the gig for the job of writing that speech. I don't know. But because of the sour grapes of it all. But that aside, um, let me let me say this. This country wasn't so bad that it prevented the families of Nikki Haley and uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's parents and grand and and four parents to move here, and it's not so bad that we don't have a huge illegal immigration problem. You know, my old boss Bill Bennett, your old friend, he he created what was, or he mentioned that every there's a gates test. Every country should have a gates test. Every country has gates. When the gates are open, which way do people run? Do they run in or do they run out? He said, even with this country when the gates are closed, they're running in. in." And it does seem to me, you're right to say something about this last 10 to 15 years. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine the other day that this racialization in our country that we all feel and we all know about uh, from whatever perspective we see it on this ongoing never ending conversation and including self-flagellation over race um it, it 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 seems like we were better 10 and 15 years ago it seemed there was a lot less of it 10 to 15 years ago i don't know if it's about having moved the goalposts I don't know if it's a uh, demand that is outrunning the supply, as Larry Elder likes to talk about it, because we've achieved so many of those goalposts. But it seems – I don't know if there's an industrialization to it and 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 money to be made off it. But it seems we are much more driven apart, much more riven on these issues than we ever have been at the point where we are doing better than any country in the history of the world has ever done.
0: It's bizarre. Yeah. Uh, It doesn't make any logical sense why are we now uh, consumed by how bad we are. Uh, I have my own theory on it, uh, and I guess because my life has uh, evolved greatly around politics and around political philosophy and uh, uh, Goldwater and Buckley and that whole crowd, um, my theory, which I have come to since leaving Congress— is that at least a significant part of the problem in America today has been identity politics and identity politics, uh, is this device and everybody hears that term and I don't know if they think about what it means, but what it really means is, okay, we are defined not by our shared values or our shared experiences. Uh, I believe at a time we were predominantly defined by the fact that we were all Americans. I may have said this before. You know, there, there was a day in America when uh, it was said, and I believe largely true, that we all wanted a chicken in every pot mm-hmm. and a car in every driveway. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that and thought, well, is that true? And I reflect on it, and I think your point is In the years following World War II, it really was true that we wanted a chicken in every pot and a car in every driveway. And we didn't want a chicken in every pot who agreed with us and was a Republican or uh, agreed with us and was a Democrat or was a white uh, person from England or France or Greece. It was we all wanted a chicken in every pot, whether it was a black pot or a brown pot or a white pot or a red pot, because we all first identified as Americans. I'm proud to be American and I'm proud of America. And second, we all understood that if my neighbor got a new car today, that meant business was doing well, lives were doing well, and there was a good shot, you know. Next week, next month, uh, next year, I'd get a raise and I'd be able to get a new car. And, and so it, we genuinely did want success for everyone. And now identity politics tells us or teaches us, no, 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 no. Uh, if uh, you are of German descent and your neighbor is of Italian descent, then you don't want her to succeed.
1: Hold that thought right there. I want to pick up right on that very point when we come right back. Welcome back to The Seth Leapson Show. John Shattuck is my guest, and we're talking about racial division in this country, uh, a little bit of uh, self-loathing in this country and what it means. And um, two ideas have converged here, John, when you were talking about kind of what the original post-World War II American dream was, and it was conceived, you say, as something that you know wasn't supposed to be confined to someone based on, based on their race or their ethnicity. I can... I can give you fuel uh, for that argument. The very first time the New York Times—I'm looking at it right now. I'll show it to you at the break. The very first time the New York Times used the word woke—interesting—was 1962 in a piece by an African-American author named William Melvin Kelly, and he's talking about what woke meant in an advertising campaign that offended him in New York, and he said all African-Americans—he used the word blacks—all blacks want is the same opportunity to attend the same schools and get the same jobs and drive the same cars that whites do. Isn't that interesting? Now, you talk about that in the context of the American dream. And that takes me immediately to why I think the civil rights movement of the 60s, as led by Dr. King, by Reverend King, was such a... A success is he rallied the entire country around something every American could rally around, which was our founding documents. He cited the Constitution and the Declaration all the time. He called them promissory notes. He called them glorious liberty documents. And who couldn't want to support that? Who wouldn't want to rally around that? He was able to unite us around our very founding in a way that it seems to me the people who want to divide us now in these new, if you can, or if you will, race wars, they want us to – I'm going to say it. I'm sorry. They want us to crap all over our founding. And they right. want us to think it was it, it, it was a lousy founding based on the notion not of freedom and equality, but of slavery and, uh, and immiseration. Anyway, I,
0: th- I think he said it well. I think the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King uh, set out there uh, the issue of racial division and said we we are all equal. And that's what our founding document said. And and even Ronald Reagan called us to a higher place, a shining city on the hill where, as Dr. King would have wanted, everyone uh, and as essentially all Americans want and as our founding documents call for all people to be treated equal, uh, regardless of their faith or their ethnicity or their skin color. Uh, And and how we got from that to identity politics, where Uh, We were being taught, oh, if you're uh, white, you need to uh, oppose uh, blacks succeeding uh, and you need to suspect that if they succeed, it must have been because the system wasn't fair. Or as in my example, uh, uh, if. You happen to be of German descent and your neighbor is of Italian descent. Uh, if she got ahead, well, that had to mean something was wrong. And but, but it didn't. In the post-World War II America, we all kind of joined in a belief that America was a great nation, the greatest nation on earth, that it was, in fact, exceptional, and that it could do what no other nation had ever done – which was bring equality to everyone, equal justice and equal treatment under the law. And what I see as so evil in identity politics is that it doesn't remind you that of anything that joins us together, that binds us, that makes us see the commonalities, but rather calls us to look at the differences. And so it urges me to say, well, you know, I don't live in the South, so I don't have those bad attitudes in the South. Or, uh, uh, so doesn't way. it lead
1: you to say that there's something different about Shattig and Liebsen, that they're not quite on the same plane, in the same country? <laughs> isn't it? I mean, yeah. isn't that what it does? Yep. It says you and I. It really goes to the heart of the question of all men being created equal, all human beings being created equal and having an equal share in this country. I think that's what it goes to. George Washington, whose birthday we celebrate this week, uh, was famous uh, for uh, famously, I should say famously wrote a letter to a Jewish synagogue. Uh, when he was president. And and it was the first time a leader of a, of a country who wasn't Jewish wrote to a Jewish organization. And he said, uh, we, we don't tolerate one another here. We are on the exact, exact equal same plane as citizens here. And uh, we give a, we are a country that gives to bigotry, no sanction, to persecution, no assistance, that letter. And it seems to me that among a million other things was a mark of his greatness and a precedent for this country, but that was the point of us all being seen as equal here and If we have different rights and privileges based on where we come from or things we had no control over, like the color of the skin we were born with, then not only is that a non american concept it's it 's antithetical to the entire american concept it 's a betrayal and it 's a betrayal of the concept of the concept yeah. and
0: it 's a betrayal of the principles on which the country was founded, and the principles that make us proud of the country. Right. That's not to say we can ignore our shortcomings. Right. Uh, but uh, we better be unified as a group. We better respect each other. We better honor those constitution, constitutional principles uh, of equality under the law and equal protection and uh, fairness for all, uh, or we'll fall far short of the ideal they strove for. And today. Uh, Americans are divided by everything because the focus is all on division. And I I would be failing if I didn't mention who is doing that. And the answer is politicians are doing it. Uh, Politicians, especially I would say Democrats, want to focus on what divides people. Then they take one of those groups that have been divided off – Uh, black Americans, Hispanics, whoever, and try to appeal to them based on that difference and not try to appeal on to them on the things that unify us all. Uh, And and that, I think, is what has happened. I think that's a part of the I think identity politics was created by politicians to advance politicians. And it, it is played into the hands of the media and the media then love to focus on, oh, Uh, What is the difference here? Why did why is that group doing well and this group doing poorly? Why, uh, you know, what what is there in the way of racial violence and is race behind it? Like, for example, the situation just recently with the police officers in Georgia, Georgia, you know, a numerous black police officers and a black victim. Yeah. And they want to make that racial. Well, it's pretty obviously not racial.
1: But they invented it th- to to maintain the narrative. They invented so, so, a racial so, excuse for it to maintain that narrative. Right.
0: And they focus on the difference. Oh, well, these are police. And if mm-hmm. they're police, well, under the current narrative, they must be poorly trained and, and evil people. Right. So so we divide police from the people they protect now one more time it's the politics of division uh which means you are defined by your identity uh but not by your beliefs
1: yeah i think it's pyrite or fool's gold because at some point it leads either to an abandonment of that party by that race that they are uh are so obsequious to or you know Kind of other talk you've probably heard more now than you've heard in the entirety of your entire life, which is are we in some kind of a civil war? Are we coming close to some kind of cold civil war? You've heard that more now than you ever heard, too. Let me come back on this. Um, The deterioration uh, of every government begins with the decay of the belief in the principle upon which it was founded, Bonasque said, and Reagan liked to quote. And that's what we're seeing here. The decay of the principle is leading, leading to the deterioration of this country. John Shattuck and I will pick up on that, and we come right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. John Shattuck is my guest. We're having a a, a conversation about, um, well, we spr- the springboard for the conversation was the announcement of two... Uh, interesting candidacies for the presidency this week and last: uh, Vivek uh, Ramaswamy, who announced today, and Nikki Haley, who announced last week. Both of whom are decrying the divisions along racial and ethnic and, and national lines in this country. And it seems, given such the long path we've 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 walked through um, in our history here, we're about to celebrate. Uh, two hundred and fifty years of it, by the way, I worry about what that celebration's going to look like in twenty twenty six John I have to tell you but um, as as we think about that path and we think about the corrections we had to make along the way because no one as an individual as you point out any more than anyone as a country gets everything right, we seem to be so focused on um, on beating ourselves up and 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 forgetting about and undoing. If you will, undoing all the progress that that we went through, some some with blood and some with ballot, um, but 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 it has to, and it requires an abandonment not only of our founding documents and our founding ethos. The other president we celebrated this week was Abraham Lincoln, and you know I think of him as our founder's greatest lawyer. He took the Declaration of Independence and Indip- and the Constitution to get us um, get us through. Uh, the civil war and 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 reunite this country and even he's now under attack Uh, Disney put out a video last week saying yeah right he didn't so there's this there's this interest in tearing down all the greats and then we look around and we wonder why we're on the cusp of something like a cold civil war why we have people calling for such kinds of things I've never heard that kind of talk as popularly as much as I have today I don't know if that's true of you too
0: Well, I know this much. I know that, uh, where at one point in my life, everyone, it seems to me, everyone I knew, no matter Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal, uh, had great faith and belief in and ultimate loyalty to, uh, America. And I think they had that because of the principles on which America was founded and, uh, uh Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh he pointed out uh that as a nation we kind of don't know any longer what it means to be an American. Right. And if a a a good portion of the country has uh decided that we are a an evil country founded by bad people uh and that we should be consumed with that. Well, then you can't build a lot of unity around that. And you would want
1: to torch it. You would. You'd want to take to the streets and torch it down.
0: And and yet I don't see that. Uh, To me, um, I think we do need to do what he said, and that is reexamine and come to agreement on what it does mean to be an American and what are the things that unite us? Uh, people don't think about it, but of course the French are no, are, are joined by being French, yeah, that's and the right. Germans are uh, yeah. united about being German.
1: And if you move there, or I did, we can't become French no, or German or Japanese right. or you know right. you name it. Right. So,
0: so they have an a, an inclination to at least take pride in that. That's correct. And you wonder, well, in America, we allowed everyone in. You can be, become an American by moving here and accepting that set of values. One of the big issues in immigration is do people accept who move here accept that set of values? And I think for the first 150 years, they all did. Uh, but the point is, uh, when you come here and accept the values set forth in the Declaration of Independence and in the Constitution, then you say, you know, well, yeah, I, I believe in equal treatment of people. I don't believe in a class society. Uh, I, I do believe that we all should be treated the same under the law, regardless of uh, the color of our skin or, or the amount of money uh, we may have, whether we earned it or inherited it. Um, and it seems to me we've lost that unifying concept that, That was, okay. so maybe we're not French because we were born French like the French are, but we are American because we chose to be American. And that should be the uniting value. And instead of focusing on the fact that we are united by our belief in those fundamentally good policies or principles, uh, then we should take pride in it and and strive to improve ourselves as a nation Whereas if we focus on the negative, oh, this is a terrible place uh, with terrible people, w- there's nothing to unite around. So we're going to focus on what divides us. Yeah, and if you focus that's on right. what divides us, then you don't have a nation. That's right. You have just a bunch of people. You living have a in chronically depressed nation. Yes, a chronically depressed yeah. nation.
1: Which is as uh, unhealthy for a nation as it is to have a chronically depressed individual. There's one name we didn't talk about. I think it probably begs to be brought up, and that's Barack Obama. Because his presidency, I think, mattered along these lines, as well as <clears throat> things he did in his presidency. And maybe that helps explain some of the differences now and from 15 years ago. Well, oh, I think it does. He let's le- do that on the other. Yeah, it <laughs> definitely. <He> legitimized <laughs> you know, uh, you know. disapproval. We'll do that when we come right back. Thank you. Welcome back to The Seth Liebson Show. John Shattig is my guest. He is the president and principal at Shattig & Associates. We're having a conversation about division and unification in America. When Barack Obama was a United States senator, John, uh, Larry Elder points out. Listen, I get this from uh, something Larry Elder said, and he's absolutely right. I looked at the transcripts. He He went down to the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama during a civil rights commemoration he gave a speech about how there was a Moses generation and a Joshua generation and Martin Luther King was part of the Moses generation he couldn't get us all the way there he got us 90% of the way there but we Barack Obama and his generation were the Joshua generation that were gonna get us the rest of the way there now that's when he was senator and as Larry Elder points out he says would you not think that if you use that equation him becoming president cuts somewhere into that 10 percent would you not think him being reelected as president cuts somewhere into that perhaps remaining five or six or seven percent i grew up listening to mostly democrats and mostly liberal leftists saying a black man could never be elected president in this country i didn't hear that from conservatives and it's an interesting thing that perhaps with his election, that just changed so much within the leftist uh, leftist mindset that does try to divide us because a tremendous benchmark had been met that they didn't even believe ever would be met. And so this is where you get the idea that perhaps the demand for racial division has outlived and outrun its supply a little bit. But then the way he used his presidency – especially with the Department of Justice and Eric Holder, was, 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 was to take us back and retrograde as well. I, I throw that all on the table, however you want to take it. Uh,
0: um, all uh, thoughtful evaluations of why it happened or how it happened, uh, the answer is that it happened, uh, that we elected a, a, a black American, uh, that... Uh, people actually took pride in having a chance. Mm-hmm. You know, how many millions of people said, I'm going to vote for him because he's black and I want to prove...
1: I know Republicans who did this. Yeah, absolutely. At least the and, first term. <laughs> and
0: and and, and th- while that should have been a great moment of pride, and to some degree it was, uh, instead the focus once again becomes, well, we're, we're not perfect yet. Uh, and we're not perfect. You know, look at the you know, at, at uh, the excesses of some in law enforcement, uh, look at other, you know, many other examples, wherever uh, there are built in biases or discrimination that's still there. But show me the moment in time when we haven't tried to improve, because I'm not sure when that was uh, or, or when we haven't tried to make things better. Um, so uh, it, it's It's regrettable that we didn't take greater advantage of that opportunity.
1: Um, It's regrettable that he didn't, too, in a way. And I I I was a little shy to say that. I'll say (laughs) it. I'll say it because he started his presidency right on that note by, you know, exacerbating a small situation with a Cambridge law professor that he was friendly with and making it into something it wasn't to kind of set the tone of that administration, and interestingly enough, you know, I, I think Eric Holder made great use of, of that weapon and that battering ram. But nonetheless, it is still eminently true that we did this for two terms. And it is eminently true that it's since then that we seem more divided than before then.
0: We, we are clearly more divided. And there are many who are profiting from us being more divided. Uh, and And at some point, we're going to wake up as a nation and say, wow, uh, is is focusing on that which divides us uh, a productive thing for a nation? Uh, you know, the nation says, or the motto is, "One out of many, one. Mm-hmm. And, and instead, what we're doing is saying, no, out of one, out of a one nation, we are many and we're all different. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, if one does, any one group does better than any other group, well, then that has to be as a result of evil intent. Yeah, there
1: has not to be not. a systemic racist explanation for it, systemically Absolutely. racist. for everything.
0: Right. Right. You know, one, I, I hearken, and I, I, I'm almost hesitant to raise this, but I think in high school or grade school, somewhere along my line, there was an, a debate in America about the assertion uh, I love my country, right or wrong, mm-hmm. or, yeah. you know, my country, right or wrong. Yeah. And we said, well, wait a minute, is that right? Mm-hmm. Is that an appropriate approach to citizenship? Mm-hmm. And I think there's reason to say no. You have to reflect on reflect – on, uh, what it is that's being debated and what it is that you are questioning. Thomas
1: Jefferson obviously didn't say that, right?
0: (laughs) But it at least shows that nations need to be bound together. Mm -hmm. And if you're not bound together by being born Spanish, Mm -hmm. you know, okay, well, then what binds you together? And that's a unique challenge for America. And I wouldn't argue that you should take it to the point of my country, right or wrong. Uh, You can kind of see that, look at the... Chinese treatment of yep. the Uyghurs. Right. Is that wrong? Yeah, that's wrong. Right. Um, and it's a universal wrong. Or or uh, other examples of clear racism uh, uh, or uh, eth- ethnic mistreatment uh, or, or slavery, uh, as examples. But, you know, you ought to at least question, what is it that my country believes in? Mm-hmm. And, and and in some ways, what is it your country believes in uh means that you can help define what your country believes in. Yes. We were pretty proud right following World War II when we'd gone out, joined the rest of the world, defeated uh, Hitler, uh, whose treatment of the Jews was outrageous and unacceptable. and, And we could pridefully stand up and say, hey, America is the greatest nation on earth, and I want all my neighbors who are my fellow Americans to succeed. And we seem to have lost that focus. Uh, and hopefully we can get back to it.
1: Were you in the House when uh, Daniel Patrick Moynihan was in the Senate? Did you guys cross over a little bit? I think he was gone. He was just on his way out? I think. He, was, he, 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 he once gave a speech I'll never forget, a uh, Democratic senator from New York, uh, who previous to that represented us at the United Nations, who previous to that worked for both Richard Nixon and uh, Lyndon Johnson, but a Democrat through and through. And he once gave a speech where he said, am I embarrassed to speak up on behalf of a less than perfect nation? No, I am not. Show me a better one. James Madison spoke of the need for criticism. He said, but it should be loving criticism. And I I don't think that right or wrong... uh, that that notion of my country, right or wrong, uh, would abide well against those two measurements, right? Either against Madison's Absolutely. notion or against Moynihan's notion. Aristotle spoke about the difference between a good man and a bad regime and a bad man and a good regime. And without taking this too terribly far, I think you put your finger on it, John. I think you put your finger on it when you said we have to know the difference between right or wrong and make that apply and abide within the country that— we owe our fealty to, and that gave us all the mechanisms to change it. That's the thing. We were given all the mechanisms to use. We were given all the mechanisms to exploit to make this country ever asymptotically closer to perfection, a more perfect union. We were never promised a perfect union. We were, spo- we were thought we about makes a us, perfect
0: union. And if anything makes us unique in world history uh, – um, It is that one thing that that we shape the government. We don't take the dictates of the government. And that's why it's so vitally important that we keep that. No Chinese uh, citizen can say, well, I'm going to shape my government or I don't like this thing or that thing about my government. We are the first in the world uh, to be able to recognize that people are impounded are authorized to correct the errors of and shape the direction of their country. Thank you, John,
1: uh, that's great. I love it. Thank you. God my bless. Pleasure. Okay. You've probably been hearing me talk about why Refi for a while now, and if you still have some questions about what it means to invest with them, they would love for you to get in touch with them, and they can put you in touch with any number of many satisfied clients and customers of theirs who are happily investing with them and getting great returns, especially from the Phoenix area. They also want me to ask you how your IRA is doing. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or the Fed? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. It's a great conversation with uh, John, and yeah, I'll conclude with that New York Times uh, piece from 1962 by the author, African-American author William Melvin Kelly. It's the first time woke was used, the word woke was used in the New York Times, and he was pushing back against an ad campaign that was, he saw in New York City subways that was directly targeting uh, African-Americans, excuse me, and he was... In his point about what it means to be woke, he was saying, don't do that to us. Don't do that to us, we African-Americans. He says the only thing the African-American wants, and yes, a different phrase was used. Um, He said the only thing the African-American wants is to be accepted completely in American life. He dreams of living in a good neighborhood, driving a nice car, sending his children to a good school, making a decent living. He realizes that anything which sets him apart will help to keep him apart. Can we focus on that for just a moment? He realizes that anything which sets him apart will help to keep him apart. We shouldn't be raised to learn different languages, to have different security needs, and to have prides in different nations, he goes on. That's what woke first meant when it appeared in the New York Times in the hands of a well-known, then-well-known African-American author. Exactly what John was saying about what the post-World War II dream was. It was meant for everyone in this country, and we do ourselves a great disservice by segregating us not just along racial lines, but along human desires. We are all after all same thing, aren't we? Human, if not human and American. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells.